Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode three of Therapy Thoughts. This is our third week going. Hey, it Randy is. Cash over there. Hey. How's it going? Awesome. Awesome? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. I am Lindsay Walden, here to host for us again. I don't know. We may have a bit of a downer of a topic today, but yeah. maybe we can offer some insight. A couple weeks ago, I wrote a, um, a blog post on the whole concept of grief. Uh-huh. My sig- grief. <laughs> right, exactly. My significant other's mom um, passed away after a pretty long struggle with um, a variety of health conditions. And man, it was it was pretty brutal to have to watch and just, you know, yeah. feel so helpless. But it kind of led to me wanting to talk a little bit about the whole concept of grief. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. He's looking it's at sad. me. It is sad. It's and terrible. Nobody likes it. Nobody ah. likes it. I know. So we're gonna we're gonna tackle it. Maybe not. I don't know. Hopefully, get too deep and ugh, dark into it. But uh. so there is a um a really great uh, theorist, PhD level person that's written a number of books on the uh, the concept. Um, Kubler Ross is her last name, and I kind of use a lot of her work in my practice because there's really, I'm sure you probably have heard of like the five stages of grief. Uh-huh. You heard that concept before? That's correct. She is the one that kind of postulated and wrote all of the books on this topic. And I really think there's a lot of truth to them. So I thought maybe we could spend a little bit of time yeah. not bringing everybody way down, but going through what the different uh, stages are and then maybe do some more lighthearted stuff. So, let's. all right. So let's just kind of dig through them a little bit. First of all, we've got, I'm just going to like list them out and then okay. we'll talk about them. All right. Good. I don't have to look them up on the internet. You do then. not. I have them right here in front of me. All right. So the stages of grief that are kind of explained in her books are denial, bargaining, mm-hmm. depression, anger, and acceptance. Now, when we talk about these five stages, I'm going to go into each one a little bit. But first of all, what I really think the big key that I want people to take away is that there is no such thing as a linear grief process. It does not happen in a straight line. You're not going to have one stage and then you finish that stage completely and right. move to the next one and then finish that one and move to the next one. They sort of all kind of happen simultaneously. And you can actually jump from one to the other. Now, I would argue that as time progresses, you might get better at sort of knowing where you are along that process. But the big key, too, is that, you know, unfortunately, none of us get out of this world alive. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like we all inevitably have to come to some point where, you know, we will cease to be here. But also, I think that is part of the the struggle of life is none of us really want to go. But no. yet we lose people and sometimes we lose them in, in ways that we aren't expecting or we have to watch really awful, brutal processes to get mm-hmm. to the end result. And even if there is a certain amount of maybe gratitude that they're not struggling anymore, it's also really sad. You know, you've yeah. gone through some grief before. I know Absolutely. we don't talk deeply about it, but yeah, yeah, I think we, we've all experienced losses. And, you know, so I thought, well, why not just go ahead? I'm I'm very much a believer in kind of living my life in an authentic way and i feel like if i can use whatever struggles i've got going on personally to help other people then hey let's do that you know that's what i'll be doing all episode yeah (laughs) you're just gonna be agreeing with me so all right so oh my goodness (laughs) no you're in denial lindsay (laughs) i know right so denial let's start there right 
Okay. Denial is almost like the brain's inability to even have a, a inkling of acceptance that what is happening is happening. It's no, almost it's like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. Well, no, we need the comic relief on this one, so I'm okay with that. But yeah, you know, I mean, the, the denial is basically this part of the brain that wants to say it's not happening, it didn't happen, I can't accept that it happened, I don't want to accept that it happened, and th- there's a struggle there, right? It's yeah. sort of this internal struggle of just feeling very kind of at odds with the whole process and not not having enough emotional kind of process or ability yet to accept what has happened. And so there is a lot of, you know, almost wanting to deny it. And sometimes this could be something as simple as you pick up your phone to call the person and you realize mm. you can't do that anymore. It's almost like the brain forgets for a yeah. minute. Or, you know, you wake up after having a terrible dream and in, in your head you're thinking you're going to go see this person or you just had a dream that they were still with you. And it's right. almost like the brain hasn't quite shifted out of that denial phase yet right now not to say that we leave denial completely behind but i do think it is probably the first stage that we go through because it's so hard to even like wrap the head around you know what's going Mm -hmm. on and that loss um so that bargaining this is where you're you're sort of in that phase where you're almost imagining like you know well how how can i you know Go back and do it over. What could I have done differently? Or did I do everything I could do to make this person comfortable? Or did I try everything? And I think the bargaining phase probably happens even in the process of losing someone, like even maybe before they've gone totally. Mm -hmm. I know in my own personal experience recently, there was a lot of that kind of talk of just, you know, did we do everything we could to, to make her mom as comfortable as possible? Because it is. It's a really awful thing to have to watch someone suffer and struggle. But, you know, the the whole goal of us still living is that we wanted to do what we could to take away as much pain as possible. So I think there is a lot of that, like that what if game that kind of goes on. And I don't really know that that serves a whole fabulous purpose, but I do think it's important to kind of work through it a little bit. Sometimes you just like ask yourself like, well, if the what if says, did I do everything kind of, you know, answer that question with some logic. It's almost like the the what if is a really emotional place kind of being like, yeah, you know, we we had her in a facility where she was taken care of 24 hours a day and she was given as much morphine as needed to, to make her comfortable and she didn't have to suffer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sort of validating that. It is really okay to not like the outcome, but also to recognize that you really did do everything you could do within your power. I mean, right. there's only so much you can do. You can't take an illness away from someone. And I think that's part of the, you know, that bargaining process, too, is that, you know, I've heard people say things like, well, you know, I would have traded places with them or why them or, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of sort of trying to make sense of the the unanswerable questions. And I think this is where, you know, if you're in the bargaining phase, you need to give yourself permission to feel those things, mm-hmm. but also recognize that you, you know, you did do all that you could do and that it is OK to, you know, sit with that discomfort as much as it sucks. Unless it was one of my children, I don't think I'm like, yeah, I'll trade places with you. <laughs> Uh, Well, that's sad. Sorry, but I like it here. Well, and I think maybe that's, you know, that's what I'm talking about. I think there's a lot of parents that, you know, have had to go through a grieving process. I know I've worked with a ton of people in my practice over the years that, you know, really couldn't make sense of what happened and felt, you know, that that feeling of like, God, I would have traded places. You know, I would have done anything to take away that suffering. And as much as I appreciate that and, and recognize how deep that feeling goes, we do have to sort of validate and kind of come back to the present and recognize that that's not exactly the 
reality as it played out, you know? Yeah. Which that gets a little bit more into the acceptance, but we'll get there in a yeah, second. That's that thing, like, when people pass away, <clears throat> excuse me, I've heard people say, oh, you know, the last thing we said to each other wasn't good, you know, mm-hmm. and I wish I could go back and change that. And right. If you're close with somebody, even if you have a falling out, the last thing that you say to one another is not positive. I would like to think mm-hmm. the person knows that you cared about each other and, and you know is okay with it. I mean, yeah. they're dead, so it doesn't matter. But right, <clears throat> excuse me. I get that what you're is a saying, very though. hard thing because I had somebody, actually two people, commit suicide, and uh, the last things, our last interactions, one was not very positive at all, and the other one was pretty not positive. Mm. And, and I wish I could have gone back and changed it. And I remember thinking one of the people I was supposed to meet up with and I was worked and I just was tired and yeah. I didn't feel like it. I just didn't feel like getting up and going out and meeting up with them because I know they were going to want to go out. Yeah. And I don't want to go out anymore, you know, right, going right. out, mean having drinks and stuff. And I, I didn't want to be out late. And <sighs> yeah, but I, I, I know, I know this person and I cared about each other very much. Yeah. And just that, well, I guess what I'm trying to say, because I'm analyzing myself and trying to right. be real with my feelings at the same time, that that's all on me. Mm-hmm. Those feelings are on me because I feel, I don't know if guilty is the right word, so I feel something yeah. that's not good that I should have had a better last interaction with them. Anybody that. That, that's like really, really close to me though, mm-hmm. the very last thing I say to you is, what's the last thing I say to you every time? Love you and be careful. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everything, my family, my very close friends, the very last thing I say is I love you. Yeah. And I, I think there is something to be said for that, you know, being intentional with our actions or being intentional with our words and making sure that, especially in relationships, we are saying what we mean and meaning what we say. And that's not to say that we can always avoid, you know, disagreements or, or struggles or problems, but... I do think I hear that a lot from people like, God, if only I'd had another day or if I'd known that, you know, they weren't going to be with us anymore, I would have made a bigger effort to connect or to reach out or to forgive even in some instances. And so it is oftentimes, you know, in grief, we reflect a lot. Yeah. on what we did maybe well and what we didn't do so well. But I also think we have to, you know, give ourselves that grace to recognize that we are human, you know, and we're not always going to do everything quote unquote perfectly. Right. But it is, can we use a loss even as a way to reflect on things to maybe do better in the future with other situations? I think that's even a way to look at it. We'll kind of get into that more in a second. But yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I do. Um, I think a big key of the entire process of grief is how depression shows up. That's definitely a stage. And I don't know if it is a fleeting stage. I think, you know, over time, the the feelings that you have, they sort of, they change and the way that you approach them might shift some, but I don't know if it ever, the hurt ever goes away, you know? Right. I was watching something the other night that said, you know, mm. yes, time really has given me perspective. But it hasn't taken the hole in my heart away. And I think there's some truth to that. You know, when we look at the depression stage of, of grief, that there is a lot of, you know, recognition of the loss and recognition of the what won't be's and the, you know, the what ifs can't happen now sort of stuff. And then also, you know, one of the things I want to say about depression, though, is that 
it's normal and natural to feel. But if we start to get to a place where all we're doing is being in a depressed place, like we aren't getting out of bed, we aren't eating, we aren't taking care of ourselves, I think those are times where it's really important to find someone to talk to, be it a coach or a therapist or just a trusted friend or relative, someone that you feel like you can reach out to because we are never alone, but yet we can convince ourselves in a very depressed place that we are mm-hmm. and that no one will understand what we're going through. Even if it's not exactly the same scenario, grief does feel very similar from person to person. Mm-hmm. So if there's anybody that's hearing this and they're kind of stuck in that depression stage that, you know, there, there is a, a roadmap to follow to kind of pull yourself out of it. Right. It might involve some of that self-care we were talking about last yes. week. It probably will, you know, and I will say that if you are going through grief of any sort, um, you know, having someone to talk it out with is not a bad plan. It's really not Mm -hmm. because it allows you some perspective and just to get that junk out of your head, you know, so that you're not cycling on it constantly. Yeah, if you can't afford a therapist, if you have no friends, a bartender is a good person to talk to. Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, on some level, I I wouldn't disagree completely, Um, Uh, although I don't necessarily want to advocate for complete numbing out. Exactly. I I, I do understand, you know, that there are a variety of sources that we can go to. I really think it's about finding someone that, you know, we feel trusted, you know, trust in, I guess, to, you know, kind of speak our truth. Oh, no, Sean at the Funny Bone makes a pretty stiff <laughs> drink. Does he? Yeah. Hey, I will say, you know, just side note that I have in my career worked with a number of bartenders and worked with a number of lawyers and worked with a number of um, hairstylists, hairstylists even. Yes. And all three of those professions do a lot more therapy than they yeah. may realize. Police officers, too. People mm-hmm. that work in a first responder type of role do a lot more therapy than they might realize. Um, <clears throat> Sorry. Oh, yeah, I'm trying good. to think back. And what you were saying mm-hmm. a few minutes ago about the uh, emptiness and the hole and all that stuff. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm thinking about this since my mom died. Mm-hmm. It's been a long, long time. So, yeah, absolutely there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Uh, whew, I don't I don't know, man. I, I like to think I was well prepared for my mother's passing long before mm-hmm. she was... was uh, sick, you know, when when I was a little kid, she was telling me, look, dude, I'm going to die one of these days, and when I do, you can be sad for a little bit and grieve and mourn and then yeah. get on with your life and forget about it and just be happy and live a good, fulfilling life. And that's exactly what I want you I to do. And that's like what that. she always told me yeah. all the time. So that's what I did. That's exactly what I did. Good for you. So there's definitely, like I said, I'm trying to reflect on all of this and my mm-hmm. feelings and be honest about how I feel. And some of my feelings, I don't know how to articulate them. Well, but yeah, there's I I I mm, I I think about my mom, mm-hmm. but I don't really think about her that much. If that makes yeah. sense, I don't obsess over it. I when I think about yeah. my mom, because I have everything. Like we've talked before, I have everything compartmentalized, <laughs> right? And, but it's, some of it's not a good way. This actually, my mom and my grandma passed. I believe it. it I have everything compartmentalized in a very yeah. healthy way, so I can talk about it. Sure. There are some things, though, that I don't want to dwell on. Yes. That I ha- I can talk about mm-hmm. in a way that I won't dwell on them and it make me upset. You know. Yeah. 
you know, whether that upsetness be a depression stage or it, it fall under the anger category, because mm-hmm. anger is another stage of grief that I think is a very normal, natural state that we can yeah. find ourselves in when we're going through a loss and we're grieving that loss. But, you know, we don't want to get so fused with the anger that that's all we feel, you right. know, not to say that we want to compartmentalize in a way where we push things away and never deal with them. But I think sometimes it is important to be able to set things down and kind of walk away for a little bit. And that kind of goes back to what I mean about the whole self-care stuff. You know, I think people are going to kind of realize, I know this happened a lot when we were doing radio, that like shows would build on each other, you know. Uh And I think I've said last week that self-care is going to be a topic you hear a lot about because I think no matter what we're going through in life, we always have the ability to kind of choose how we're going to respond to any Mm -hmm. situation, no matter how awful it may be. We have some choice in the matter. And so if we're getting to the place where we're having anger and sometimes people might say that's anger at, you know, God or, uh, you know, their their deity, their their belief system. Um, Sometimes it's just anger at the situation. Sometimes it's anger at the helplessness. There's a lot of reasons that anger can show up. And I think, again, it goes back to that. Can we validate it? You know, are we able to you know, sit with it and recognize that it's completely normal and natural to feel these things. But yet at the same time, we don't want to stay so fused with it. Yeah. Emotions are powerful, man. Yeah. And you, the most sane, kind, rational, altogether person that mm-hmm. you may know can completely freak out mm-hmm. if their emotions are high in, 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 a, in a negative way. You know yeah. what I mean? You will do and say things you would not normally do if you're very mm-hmm. emotional. I don't know I if would that's agree. the right way to term it, but it, whether you're angry or heartbroken or a combination of both, especially, yeah, yeah, you could find yourself doing something self-destructive or just, you know, mm-hmm. you're you're a little more. Uh, how do I say? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Maybe just like not in a in the self-care realm, like yes, you're kind of more you. self-destructive. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I think you, you know your emotions can lead you to forget to take care of yourself exactly because you're. So, I don't want to say trapped, but that emotion's strong, yeah. man. When it gets a hold of you, it's hard to to mm-hmm. to shake that stuff. Oh, I was going to say a second ago about uh, the mom and the grieving thing. Is it okay if I backtrack Absolutely. to this? Being compartmentalized. The whole time we're talking about this, I'm thinking about the thing that I have squashed down the most. Sure. About that is a very gruesome, mm-hmm. gory visual like from the worst Freddy Krueger movie you could ever imagine that I have of the final moments of my mom's life but now that I'm thinking about this okay it's like looking it's like if it was uh I was looking at this image through like uh water that was kind of like looking at it through an aquarium the water's all Mm -hmm. it's really blurry so I can see it and I know it's there right and I know if I go you know a little too deep, I'm mm-hmm. going to see it, but, you know, I can look at it right where I am right now yeah, comfortably, and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. But I know, man, on the other side of that water, dude, there is this gruesome, horrifying yeah. thing that's going to really send me into a spiral. And I think that's actually an example of the fact that I know, you know, we've talked off the air a lot and we've therapized you in, in the past oh on boy. other radio shows, right? But, um, you know, that, that we've talked in the past about your, your healthy dealing with it and that you are aware of what's there. You're not blind to it, but that you're also not letting it overtake you, you mm-hmm. know, that you have some power and control over your thoughts and you're not letting the thoughts that are negative just be the thing you ruminate on. 
Um, and, and I like the fact that your mom sort of gave you a, a preparation of sorts. I mean, not that we want to always dwell on the end like of someone's life, but right. I am a believer that, you know, life is for the living, you know, that, that if we stay stuck in the loss or if we stay stuck in the grief forever, then we really do not only lose that person that meant so much to us, but we lose the ability to live our lives that, that we have. You know, mm-hmm. I think you had said in a previous episode that every day you wake up, you look at it as a gift that you woke up, Absolutely. you know, and I think that is also a sign of somebody that's really looked at the reality of life and recognizes, hey, you know, we're not we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Mm-mm. So the fact that we wake up and we get to live tomorrow is, you know, is kind of an awesome gift. And it really is about, you know, choosing how we want to view that. And I think there's also, you know, value sometimes in recognizing that just because things can feel so awful and terrible, we also have moments of great joy and happiness in the world that we live in. We just have to choose to hold on to them, even if they're fleeting, you know, even Mm -hmm. if they're not there for a while. But no, I I do appreciate your willingness to kind of be vulnerable and put yourself out there because I know you've done a lot of work on it. And that doesn't make it necessarily fun, Mm. but it also means that you've, you've given yourself a chance to really look at the depth of what's there. Yeah. It took a lot of therapy, a lot of uh, darkness, a lot of self medication, a lot of uh, destructive behavior and a lot of unhealthy things to get to where I eventually got to with it. Yeah. Yeah. I would argue that maybe you have reached a certain level of acceptance, you know, being that that's like the next stage, they're kind of like the ending stage, right? That um, you reach a level of, it doesn't mean that you're okay with it. It doesn't mean that it seems fair. It doesn't mean that it's even what you would have wanted or scripted if you had been the one in the control panels, Mm -hmm. you know, getting to decide all of those things. But you've gotten to a place where you recognize the reality of it and you've been able to process through it. And if anything, if somebody's listening and they're like, man, I don't, I am not even close to acceptance is that you don't have to rush anything. You don't have to force it. The last thing I would want anybody to do is to force themselves to be fake or to feel something that's not authentically how they feel. So I think it's a process, you know, of moving from, all of the stages into this level of acceptance that allows us to actually, you know, just recognize the reality of it and not be so bogged down mm-hmm. by maybe the intensity of the negative kind of aspects of it. Right. So that's definitely one thing to think about. Um What's interesting is that, so I've done years of study on this whole process of the five stages of grief, but there's actually sort of a a new stage that they have come out with that in Uh in the blog post, I kind of talked a little bit about that we've gone from the five stages, and this is something that I've had clients do a version of, I just didn't realize what I was doing, is the sixth stage called meaning. Like, how do we take the loss of someone and turn that into some meaning or some purpose or some ability to recognize, you know, that we really do have an ability to kind of, if it's memorializing the person, if it's finding a way to, you know, make meaning out of something really dark and, and icky and terrible that we had to go through. Some examples that I can give, I had a, um, a client once that's given me permission to use this as a, like an example. They lost a child, you know, mm-hmm. really young in life. And the child had always had like aspirations of going to a certain university as, as like a college, you know, major. And they decided to start a scholarship to that college in their name. Like that's one example of making meaning out of something. Or let's say that 
you lose a relative to alcoholism or something that's really detrimental, and then you decide, you know what, I'm going to sober up a little bit. I don't, I don't want to live my life in this same way. It's right. not to say that we're blaming anybody or looking at the negative aspects. We're simply trying to make some meaning or some purpose out of what has happened. And that's kind of what I mean through like taking the acceptance and turning it into a meaning. Yeah, I get that. There's, I like to think that I'm now where I am in life, I'm pretty well equipped to, uh, handle most things Mm -hmm. like that. Um, I have one weakness, three of, I have three weaknesses. Okay. And it's called my oldest, my middle and my youngest (laughs) child. Right. And respectfully to my family and friends and everybody if one of y'all die man i'm gonna be sad but uh, dude i'm gonna be fine right right i love you and everything i'm gonna be fine sure one of my three weaknesses man i i I could see how that could go really bad for me and i could let uh my uh my dark side take over and sure yeah that would be something i never want to i experience and i really feel for anyone that has had to do that Go through that, but like I tell somebody, man, like a few people recently within the last six months or so, their one of their parents have passed away, and I'm like, dude, I promise it does get easier. Yeah, it will get easier. Right, it just takes time. Some, you know, there's no like you were saying, there's no time frame on this. Mm-mm. Some people, you know, get through it a little faster than others. I guess I don't know. Yeah, and I do think time is part of the healing process. You know, like the. The longer there is space between what happened and where you are, the easier it gets sometimes to to process the reality of it. And then I also think that whole self-compassion thing, you know, I talk a lot about self-care and self-love and what that looks like. But some of what that leads into is the ability to have self-compassion. One of the ways that I, I get clients to think of it is. Are you focusing on your your perfect image of what it looks like when you're no longer grieving? Or are you focusing on the progress that you're making along the way? Mm -hmm. And you even use the hashtag a lot, progress, not perfection, because I think it's important sometimes to recognize where we are on that journey and to kind of give ourselves permission to, yeah, kind of pat yourself on the back. Like, you know, you really are doing a great job of healing and moving forward, but there's going to be days that feel like utter shit. I mean, they are, you know, and and if we recognize that from the beginning and we give ourselves permission to feel all of the things, the messy things, the good things, the bad things, it will allow us, I think, a healthier path forward. Mm -hmm. But it is a process. It really is. And so I know I didn't want to be super downer with this whole topic. But, you know, I, I do think it's important to, to talk about all the aspects of life. Absolutely. And unfortunately, grieving and loss and, and dying is sort of a part of this world we live in, you mm-hmm. know, and the more that we have the tools to process through it, I think the, the better off we will all be. I even saw something on TV the other day. There's a new documentary coming out, and it's like it, it's like looking at all of the different ways that people are choosing to memorialize their lives. Like I think I saw one guy, he wants like a space rocket thing where like his yeah. ashes are going to be like flown to space or something. I'm not really sure. I have to watch this because it's kind of fascinating. Hmm. But I, I think the the big key is just finding ways to move through all of the stages, allowing yourself to reach a stage of acceptance, and then figuring out how to turn that into some meaning and to some purpose. 
when I die, I want to be cremated, and I want you to take my ashes and put them in, like, the batter at some McDonald's fried food. No. Ooh, Randy. <laughs> oh, man. No, that does not sound ideal. Yeah, I was with I you till that, that's right? That's what I want. Yeah. Then I can know you inside. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. And see, there would be the comic relief I'm talking about. We're over here talking about death and dying yeah. and grieving, and Randy's talking about being inside batter. Mm. No, but I, I get it. I think that, you know, some people... They, they do actually go through these stages, and humor can be a helpful piece. You know, it really can be. What got um, me through most of my did stuff it? through life? Hell yeah. Yeah. Making jokes about stuff. Mm-hmm. Dude, if you can laugh at something, yeah. you have ownership of it. Yeah, if it doesn't have power over you. La- like Jeff and I, my brother, when we did radio, we used to make some horrific jokes about oh, my sure. dead mother. Yeah. And my brother would get mad, just angry at me, and went and speak to oh, me really? off the air. He furious. Yeah. Like, dude, you just got to own it, man. Yeah. Do it. One of these days, say something. My mom's worm food. Something. Mm-hmm. Something just horrific. Mm-hmm. And you're going to feel so much better, man. He did one day. He's right. We were going to break. He said something horrific, like my mom's worm food or something. Oh, horrific. Wow. Yeah. And we laughed hysterically. And he's like, yeah. dude, yeah, that felt great. I feel so much better. See, yeah. I'm always, I'm always right. <laughs> Randy's always right. And, you know, not everybody wants to joke about it in the same no. way. But I do think it's important sometimes to find humor. Maybe it's just about laughing at something that they used to laugh at or mm. laughing at a process. I mean, we all have quirks about us that, you know, make us uniquely who we are. And sometimes those quirks can be kind of annoying to other people. And so if yeah, we well. can find ways to sort of poke fun at ourselves or at our process, it can be a way through. Now, I will caution, though, you don't want to use humor as a way to numb out to the pain. You do want to feel the pain, but you don't want to stay so fused with the pain that that's all you feel. But you also don't want to just be in the laughy, everything is funny phase, because then you're not actually processing. Makes sense. Balance, right? We need balance in all of the things. How many stages have we gone through already? That's all six. Did we already? Yeah, even we did. the new one. That's yeah, right. even the Meming. new one, right? Memeing, making a meme of your tragedy <laughs> and putting it on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Hey, that's not a bad idea in the whole yeah. humor whatever category. But <laughs> no, Hashtag I, death. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I do think, though, that you know our, our society could benefit from having more conversations about how we go through the process of grief because there's really not a lot of great ways for us to talk about it. So, you know, maybe that's part of my my goal or hope is that we can open up a dialogue mm-hmm. and we can let people talk about not just the good things, but also the hard, difficult things that sometimes require us to dig within and kind of sit with the crap that's there. Yeah. You know, it is a process. It's all part of life. It is. Not trying to be a complete downer today, but, you know. You have been. I have been. Listen fun. to you. Yeah. Semi, semi-funny. Semi-funny? Semi I've been the downer. Funny. You've been funny. All right. Do I have any good lines? I had a couple good lines today, yeah. I think. Oh, my goodness. I think so. I had a couple in my head. I didn't spit <laughs> out, though. I had some really good ones. Uh-huh, I bet. I should have wrote them down. He looks very mischievous as he's saying that, so my guess is it's probably better he didn't say them, but, you know, it's all good. Um, no, this is so, let's see. This is our third episode. Wow. wow. We're making progress, moving along in the world. We are going to um, have some episodes in the near-ish future focused on kind of the relationship aspect of things. It's funny, Randy. I um, What we were talking about off the air. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> we'll talk about that and some other things, but, you know, talk about some humor. Yeah, but, to, but it is funny humors. to me that, you know, it doesn't matter how many, like, positive motivational things I want to put out there. People meet me like, oh, you're a sex therapist. Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. So I figured if there are people listening and you have a question you would like me to address, 
address either about relationships or it could be sexuality. It could be any any nature of thing. I'm more than happy to address those. I'm not sure if it's going to be next week or the week after that we do a sort of relationship centered uh, episode, but we're definitely going to have plenty of those peppered in. I just don't want it to be all we talk about because I think there's a lot of aspects of what it means to live your best life, but I don't want to ignore that piece of it because I think the relationships we have, especially the the sexual relationships and romantic ones that we have, are very integral part mm-hmm. of who we are, you know? Absolutely. All right. So if people want more um, death jokes, where can they find you, Randy uh, Cash? At our Cash Comedy. All right. Swimming around in dirt. Where is that, on Instagram? Yeah, at our Cash Comedy on Instagram. All right. And if people would like more information about any of the, the grieving stuff, I do have a blog from, I believe it came out on the, the 20th, the 19th of August, um, about this whole grieving process. But you can find me um, pretty much all over social media. On Facebook, I am at Lindsay Walden Consulting. Uh, which is the page, or you can follow me. My actual wall is at Lindsay Walden Therapy. On Instagram, I am Walden underscore Lindsay, and then lindsaywalden.com is my website. That's where the blog is, as well as any episodes of the podcast are posted first, and you can go back and listen to previous weeks if you'd like, but I'd love to have you follow along. I also use that as a way to kind of promote any upcoming workshops or trainings or things I've got going on. So anything else, Mr. Cash? I wish I had a workshop and some training going on, but I don't. You don't? Maybe no. we'll get you. We'll, you have like a um, a comedy training workshop or something. Yeah. We'll work I'm on I'm going to show you how to bomb writing <laughs> bad, stupid cornball jokes. Oh, boy. I like right. stupid cornball jokes. They so. can be fun. They can. I think I'm funny. You are funny. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for following along and listening. Um, Like I said, if you have any questions, let us know. We will be back next week with more therapy thoughts.